Welcome to Restaurant Influencers powered by Entrepreneur Magazine and Yelp. My name is Sean Walchef, founder of Cali Barbecue Media. We want to thank Toast, our primary point of sale partner, for having the courage to believe in this mission to share the stories, the lessons and stories of restaurant owners, um, restaurant operators, people in the hospitality business that are, are sharing their message with, with the global audience because of the internet. Today we have David Dressler. You can find him at David T. Dressler on Instagram. He is the co-author of The 10-Year Plan, which is an incredible book about the founding of Tender Greens, one of my favorite brands. I'm located here in San Diego, so I've had a a front row seat to what these guys have created, what they built, and how they scaled to a $100 million brand, 30 stores, average unit volume, 3.8 million per store. Absolutely incredible. And the fact that you and Eric took the time to write a book and share those secrets um, with the hospitality industry and with the world, we're, we're grateful to have you on the show. Welcome. It's great to be here. Thanks, Sean. So the first question is a random question, but where in the world is your favorite stadium, stage, or venue? Uh, the Hollywood Bowl, without question, is my favorite place to go uh, with my wife and friends to watch a show. And uh, we recently went to Hall and Oates uh, a couple months back, and being out with the living again was just <laughs> remarkable. And uh, packing a picnic and just uh, being in, in that beauty is just remarkable to me. Okay, so we're going to go to the Holiday Bowl and we're going to pretend like uh, I've convinced Entrepreneur and Toast and Yelp to put on a hospitality conference with the best of the best in the world. Uh, we're going to fill the fill the audience and uh, I'm going to put you on center stage and pretend like people don't know who you are and give you two minutes to share your story and the Tender Green story. It's something we recommend all podcast listeners. Everyone needs to have a pitch. We do the pitch in real life. You've raised capital. You've done the pitch, but you need to do the pitch. You need to tell your story online so that you can connect with a bigger audience. So I'm going to give you six, uh, two minutes, so 120 seconds to share your story. Are you going to be able to do that? No, I'm going to give it my best shot. All right, here we go. Ready? Go. All right. So. Um, I was working uh, for the man in uh, the luxury hotel business, um, sweating it out. And uh, as I went up the career ladder and progressed, I became more and more doubtful that there was a future for me, but I had been invested enough in it to know that it wasn't uh, an easy exit. And it just so happened that uh, at a hotel in Santa Monica, um, California, I met my business partners and um, we were all three of us within six months of age of each other and all six of us and all three of us just uh, itching to do something. So we used our uh, collective courage to jump ship, to come up with a plan and to move forward into building uh, Tender Greens, which um, was meant to be, and I think achieved, uh, opening a business that was heart-centered, that was food-focused, that was a value to guests, uh, that nurtured both the belly and the soul. And, uh, and that's what we did. We kept it simple. We kept it straightforward, uh, focused on partners with great, uh, partnerships with great farmers, a really scaled down simple service model where kindness was the most important standard, um, and started building restaurants, um, up and down the California coast. Uh, the kind of place that uh, people would go and feel like an attachment to the food, wish they could make it at home, would buy those ingredients at the farmer's market and do their best to make it. But this gave them a chance to get out of their apartments and go and enjoy it. Um, our original business plan 
um, when we incorporated, we called our company 10-Year Plan, um, TYP Restaurant Group. And um, that's the name of the book. Uh, but it was always a plan that we'd be committed for the, for the first 10 years to work together, to put uh, our guests first, to put the business first, and to just hit it out of the park. And as a result, uh, we lived up to that commitment. We, um, we built out 30 restaurants, 100 million in revenue, um, went by coastal and, um, and built a, a company with an enduring, beautiful, heart-centered, purpose-driven culture. Um, I've since uh, left active duty uh, to just before the, the pandemic and uh, set out a shingle so, so that I can help other founders uh, and executives realize the same vision of a purpose-driven culture, uh, a business that means more than just profit. And I help leaders um, get there and also uh, look at their lives in terms of a 10-year plan and how they can be holistic leaders, both uh, on and off the clock. I absolutely love the fact that you had the courage, the foresight, and you know the founders to think of the 10-year plan, the fact that you named your your corporation, the, ten, the TYP uh, corporate, what was it? The TYP? TYP restaurant group. TYP restaurant group. I mean, the, usually a restaurant owner comes up with the idea for a great concept. And the, the, the goal, the plan is to get the restaurant open. And then you realize <laughs> that you actually have a much bigger plan. You're, you know, I, I always joke that you, you have to run a marathon just to get a restaurant open. And then once you, you complete that marathon, you realize this, the race hasn't even started yet. No doubt. So where, where did the vision, where did the foresight come? Because thinking in 10 year increments, I mean, it's just a very unnatural thing for us to do. I love the fact that you guys did that. And now you're teaching other restaurant owners, other business leaders, how important it is to think long-term. Um, you know, we say that we, we built our business the way we build our barbecue low and slow. And truly that, you know, we, we believe we're a 14 year startup, even though we've been in business for 14 years, we believe it's day one. Um, where, where did that, that vision come from? We had all worked uh, in fine dining restaurants. We'd all worked for others. We all wanted, the three of us wanted that uh, exit strategy at the end of it. We wanted to build something of value. And we knew that that wasn't gonna happen overnight. And we weren't any one of us interested in walking away from our day jobs to build just one restaurant. And so um, the plan was always to open many. And we figured if we're gonna ask our friends and family to invest and, uh, and write checks, they need to know one, that they're, they're gonna get their money back and two, by when. And we didn't think that three years or five years was a comfortable model for us because we wouldn't have been able to build the kind of uh, exit value, enterprise value that we wanted for, for them and for us. And so 10 years seemed like, well, when we laid it out on paper and started our business plan, well, if we do this year one, we do this year two, this year three, we just kept moving that plan along and, and realized that this wasn't gonna be an overnight sensation, but how long could we commit to each other as partners? How long could we commit to our shareholders? How long could we commit to our team members? How long would we commit to the, you know, the, the, the communities that we were engaged in? And 10 seemed like a magical number that would allow us to achieve our goals. And, and in fact, we did it in nine. That's incredible. I want to bring you back to uh, to a day that many restaurant owners, people that are listening to this podcast, that, that they can remember, which I'm glad the book made you go back and document. But I want to talk about the jacaranda tree, about yeah. bringing you back to, I mean, I, I have a, 
a huge Dracaranda tree is my favorite tree on earth. And um, it reminds me of the beginning of my sobriety. But nonetheless, I want to bring you back to that Dracaranda tree and the, and the broom and kind of your opening thoughts with this vision, this 10 year plan, but then to see the realization um, lined up right in front of you, right before your eyes. Uh, for, for me personally, um, when I was working for others, I, I worked for Four Seasons Hotels and I remember uh, opening day of the Four Seasons New York on 57th Street. And, uh, and I went outside to take a breath and I found one of the corporate executives um, sweeping the sidewalk on 57th Street in Manhattan um, right in front of the, the hotel. And I thought, wow, is that ever cool that he's doing that? And, um, and then fast forward however many years to my own first restaurant opening up and this beautiful uh, purple blooming jacaranda tree on our, on our patio in Culver City. Um, I, well, first of all, it was a love-hate relationship with that jacaranda. <laughs> it usually everywhere. is. <laughs> and as soon as somebody stepped on them, they turned to mud and it was just a mess all the it time. It usually is. But back to the poetry <laughs> of opening day, I had my... I had my broom out there and I swept down the sidewalk and people were starting to, to gather. And I, I swept all those blooms um, away and everything was pristine. And I turned around to look at this incredible manifestation. Our sign was up, our, our, our front door looked beautiful. You could see everybody buzzing inside this tiny, beautiful little jewel box of a restaurant. And, um, and it felt like it was mine, you know, like, like owning your first home, like just this beautiful sense of, Wow, we, we really did it. And then I went back inside, put the broom away, did a couple of things and came back to look out the door. And there was a line that went from our door all the way down the block around the corner from the, the bakery. There was like a bakery deep, depot where you could buy day old bread and brownies from Intimates or whatever. <laughs> and it just kept going. I kept walking and looking and looking and, and it never ended. And I knew we were in trouble. It, it's incredible when you think about coming up, meeting your partners, having a vision, you know, beginning to pitch investors, beginning to pitch family and friends. Uh, so many of the times people tell you you're crazy, especially, I mean, you, you kind of have to have a little bit of crazy to be in the hospitality business, to give so much of yourself, to give so much of others. That's why it's, it's heart focused. That's why hospitality is the way that it is. I'd love for you to share the story of, of meeting Howard Schultz early on in your journey and, uh, and kind of what, what that meant to you after hearing so many no's. Yeah, we were just talking about this. Um, so I was working, I, I stepped away from my day job as a director of food and beverage uh, at that hotel in Santa Monica where I met with my partners. And I still needed to obviously make some money while we were getting this together. And um, I went to work as a, as a pool waiter at the Peninsula thinking that it was going to take two weeks to two months to get the money together. <laughs> two months. Nice. Yeah. I figured, you know, by the end of summer, we've got this and, uh, and, and I'll be able to quit that job and, and start doing stuff for, you know, my real job. Uh, it took two and a half years to, to raise the money. <laughs> two which, months, two and a half years, a little bit different. Yeah. I, I, low and slow, low and slow. Yeah, I love low it and slow, for sure. Um, but, um, man, I stepped away from your question. What was it? It was, it was Howard Schultz. Oh all yeah. The no, so all the so I'm working, so I'm working in the in at the pool, and now it's starting to get a little chilly in the mornings because it's the end of summer, and I haven't raised any money, and uh -oh. uh, and so um, the the general manager of the hotel says, uh, "So, so David, do you want to be my next food and beverage director?" And I'm like, "No, I'm sticking with my plan." 
And he says, okay, well, uh, if you still want to make money, maybe we'll put in your transfer. So I transferred to the dining room. Yes. And I'm working down in the dining room serving breakfast and lunch so that my evenings can be free for uh, shareholder meetings. And, um, and one day, uh, the general manager comes into lunch with Howard Schultz. And uh, Eric, Matt, and I had all read Pour Your Heart Into It. And it was like one of those seminal foundational readings for us. And, um, and so I went up to the table cause I was always, uh, I was always assigned to the general manager when he came in and, um, and, uh, he says, well, I'd like to meet Howard Schultz. And this is, uh, this is David Dressler. And, uh, he and tells about a little bit about my career and says, he's doing this because he's, he's, uh, raising money to start his own business throws me the perfect softball. And so I get to say to Howard Schultz, you know, pleasure he gave you the 120 seconds with your book. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he says, um, he says, whatever you do, don't give up. And, you know, I wasn't about to ask him if he'd consider writing a check, but, uh, and I could only hope that in the back of my mind, but uh, the end result was that I, I left that moment. So pumped up that this guy wasn't saying you're nuts wasn't saying oh great good for you this gave me a piece of advice and it was at a time when uh eric and i periodically had these little meetings and dive bars across los angeles to sort of try to encourage each other to keep going yes keep going and so howard um wherever you are thanks thanks for doing that i really really appreciate it yeah i think i think it's incredible when you think about the impact that people who have been there and done that can have on businesses, on brands that haven't started, um, that have started, that are 14 years in. You, you never know what your words of wisdom, what you're sharing can do to impact the next generation. And I think that's, it's just so powerful that the, you know, the, the CEO of, of Starbucks had the, had the, took the time to tell you that, you know, it, 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 it wasn't something that, he needed to do it wasn't he could have told you you were crazy but he told you not to quit and i'm sure there was plenty of times in his life where he thought about quitting and maybe somebody came up to him and told him not to quit it's one of the reasons why we're so excited about this podcast is that it is through lessons and stories and it's stories like that of of these serendipitous meetings that we have in life when we're willing to lean in and chase our dreams and chase our passions for for you can you think back to to the setback um, you know, it, it's easy, it's easy to talk about the successes. What I love about in your book is you talk about setback, you talk about 2007, 2008, uh, you know, Liberty station, which is the second store opening, um, you know, big dreams going from a LA location to a San Diego location. And that's something that, you know, you guys had a lot of chutzpah to do that. Um, take us, take us to that experience and, and what you learned from it. So, um, having a restaurant that was um, literally like a, like a food tornado daily. We were serving 1200 people a day in, 17, in 1700 feet, by the way. So that's unbelievable. Yeah. It's um, just unbelievable. It's the not, amount of volume that is, is just, it's, it's, it's almost incomprehensible. We paid the run. We paid the rent in one lunch. Every <laughs> it's, unbe it's unbelievable. <laughs> and and um, it was like just amazing. And, uh, it's everyone's dream. That's what your dream is. When you open up a restaurant is to, to literally fulfill that dream. That's right. That's right. It was, it was nuts and so exciting and so gratifying. And we knew we were going to open more of them. And, um, and we've had, 
the great fortune of having a career um, working with amazing chefs who we counted on as being the next generation beyond us. And, uh, and Peter uh, and Pete Balistrieri down in San Diego was the next guy that we were going to call. He invested in Tender Greens early on, actually wrote a check. Um, it a buddy uh, has a buddy, his best friend, Ryan Brandenburg, growing up in Point Loma. And, um, and so we knew that there was talent ready to go that we could count on day one to get it done. And they started uh, shadowing us in San Diego, taking uh, in, in Los Angeles, taking more and more commitment. And, and, and Pete had young children and was coming up to spend weeks uh, with us uh, at a time, would go home for his two days off. But really was uh, both of them just so committed. And so we started looking at real estate down there thinking, well, yeah, that's a logical next step, which in hindsight, you know, two and a half hours away from our first location, <laughs> not awesome. No, but, but we had Pete and Ryan. So, um, so we looked at a bunch of spots and, and, you know, we were, we were very much hat in hand in those days. We didn't, we didn't have a lot going for us beyond the, the success of the initial restaurant, but we didn't have any proven three years of financials or everything else that the landlords were looking for. Um, and we needed a particular kind of space. So, um, so going down there, we, we went to this beautiful, uh, architecturally significant heritage site, uh, the Naval Training Academy in Point Loma, and we're so excited by how beautiful it was that we probably stepped away from a little bit of our, our site criteria requirements and ended up on the backside of a, a building that had no retail component yes. to it other than a couple of grocery stores and a Starbucks. And... Um, very, very stringent signage requirements because it was yes. a historical site. So we went from uh, being, you know, the best kept secret in Los Angeles to truly a hidden treasure <laughs> in San Diego. And so when we opened, we 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 initially had uh, some good lunch traffic, but it was just a, a just a snooze at dinner, and um, and it took a long time for the restaurant to find its footing. And we were concerned that we'd made a, a really big strategic error because we were, we were using our profits from Los Angeles to support the restaurant in San Diego. Um, but Pete was undaunted and determined and uh, the two of them worked incredibly hard. We were driving down there uh, to give them days off every week and staying at the Vagabond Inn, I think is what it was called. Nice. Place yeah. right off the sports arena. Uh, <laughs> And, and just uh, just keeping it going. And it was there that we learned um, a, a certain level of industriousness that we didn't need to have in, in LA around doing way more with way less. And, uh, and it forced us to innovate uh, largely due to Pete. And, um, and eventually it caught on as the place where chefs would go on their day off to eat. And he was starting to make uh, salumi down there and we were getting fresh fish off the boats. Uh, his family was a fishing family and, and knew a lot of people down there. And so all of a sudden it became the place where you could get food that you couldn't get anywhere else in San Diego at a price point that was almost ridiculous. So uh, it caught on and suddenly there were lines out the door um, at both meal periods and the catering caught on and we were off to the races. But those first, I think from 2008, when we first opened to 2010, it was, it was frightening. Yeah. Just keep going. 
uh, one of the things you do, you do discuss is uh, the weakness that you guys felt you had in, in marketing and branding. I would argue that your, your marketing and branding was, was done for you um, by your ambassadors, all the people with influence that came into the restaurant that went out and spread the love of tender greens. But the world that we live in in 2022 is a much different place for marketing and branding. Well, what were the lessons that you learned um, in this 10 year period with tender greens as far as it comes uh, to, to sharing your story? Sure. Well, certain things that, that don't change uh, and that were, you know, sort of in our naive post uh, pre pre uh, social media phase of business uh, were to have an authentic story to tell. So we did nothing but PR. We, we focused having all of our efforts on getting stories told about us um, in magazines, newspapers, uh, on radio broadcasts. Uh, wherever we could to get the story out there. Um, and the stories that we were telling were about the ingredients and about the people. And when we opened in San Diego, we put Ryan and Pete out front. We had no desire for it to be known as an LA brand that you know was honoring San Diego with its coolness. Yep. It was about these two guys from Point Loma that opened their own restaurant. And, and then it was about the farms. And it was about Paul Reeve and it was about Point Loma Farms. It was about all this, all this, these cool uh, artisanal suppliers that we had. And that's the story that I think people want to know about because it makes them connect to the restaurant, Tender Greens or any. Beyond that, the lessons learned were, um, so, so there was that and community involvement. That was our marketing plan. So when I say we were, we were naive about marketing, we didn't know anything about anything else. Yeah. Uh, we certainly weren't going to spend any money on advertising we couldn't afford to. But now, uh, having come full circle, uh, I think um, realizing that there's a lot that you can do that's really cool on social media, but it doesn't necessarily connect people to the brand. And what people want is to, is to that third place that Howard Schultz talks about, that place that they connect to that's not work and it's not home. It's that other place that they go that they still feel equally as connected to as those, a neighborhood gathering spot. And that place has to stand for something. So marketing on social, I think, has to connect consumers to the brand. And, and we, we stepped away from that. We got real cool. And I think now I'm seeing um, the guys at, at, at our brand come full circle back to talking about the chefs and, and their, their dreams and aspirations and their successes and talking about the farms and talking about uh, produce at the peak of season and connecting to people in those kind of lifestyle ways. I love that. If you, if you could give advice on somebody that's listening right now that, that wants to launch their concept, that's getting ready to go ask for money, what, what would that advice be? Um, refine your plan. Uh, really think about, put your head in the, in, in the, in the place of, uh, of the one who's about to write the check. What are their concerns? Because what their concerns are, uh, are lessons for you to learn to think about. Because as restaurateurs, as chefs, we think about putting the food on the plate. We think about the hospitality. We don't often think about the business side of things. We don't often think about the people side of things, uh, the intricacies of, of having a business that's largely based on, on humans interacting. But we have to think through those things. Uh, we have to think about the finances. We have to think about marketing. We have to think about HR. We have to think about real estate development. And the reason that I say that is because we, we don't know what we don't know. But if we think through those things and we get wise counsel on those things, 
we end up getting ahead of the game because it's hard enough to open a restaurant. Yes. It, it's a rough business. And if we haven't thought through a few more things than we're accustomed to thinking through, we will encounter them and they will cost us time. They will cost us money. They will cost us hours. They will result in lawsuits. They will cause us to take steps back when we're just now getting our stride. So to the extent that we think through Sure, we think through our, our, our amazing offering and the food quality and our service and everything that we know to be true that we're really good at that makes us love this business, but think through the things that we don't necessarily love also. And if uh, your partner is somebody you love, but they're only good at the same things that you're good at, that's a red flag for me. We all, we have to surround ourselves with people who are good at things that we're not good at to watch our backs, to watch the businesses back in ways that we can't or don't know how to. We really stand the greatest chance of success for the good of the people who wrote us checks, for the good of the communities we go into, for our own sake of fulfillment and taking, taking our, our lives to the next level and that of our families. We owe it to ourselves to mitigate any possible risk that we can because there's enough stuff that's going to show up anyway. Can you bring us back to the moment when you received a check from Danny Meyer? Sure. Um, can I go a little bit before that? Sure, please. Okay. So uh, we had a meeting with, uh, we decided that we wanted to get some money that was beyond our pay grade to raise. And we we'd, uh, hired a, an investment banker and we had a long a longtime mentor, uh, Frank Viscara, who, who I have a ton of respect for. And we were sitting in a hotel room and we just had a, a meeting with a company that um, was interested. And the reason they were interested, uh, and it's a great company, but they, the reason they were interested in Tender Greens was because they had stopped growing and they needed to add a certain number of uh, sales dollars onto their, um, onto their bottom line. So, uh, so they, so it was a really underwhelming meeting with some people that we were excited to meet and um and at the end of it we were sort of debriefing and uh i don't remember if it was frank or if it was uh if it was the banker but uh, somebody said well i mean if you if you could have anybody who would it be and um and i think we all sort of stepped on each other and said uh well danny meyer would be great <laughs> and um and then I think Frank said, well, I'm going to see if I can make that happen. And we thought, yeah, sure. Okay, great. The thing about... Uh, I like this Frank guy already. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and, and, it, and it turns out that, that he made the meeting happen. And, um, and uh, he and uh, a couple of uh, people that he works with came to, um, came to San Diego and we ate a ton of food and we drank a ton of wine and we just got to know each other and they got to um, experience, um, tender greens. And, and then we did it again. Um, and it was just this incredible experience in these two cities. And then we went to New York and they returned the favor and we just had a remarkable tour of some of Danny's restaurants and some others and, um, and really just had Frank heart-to-heart -heart conversations about the restaurant business and about our dreams. And, um, 
and then you know the, the the business people went to work on it and we did a lot of dog and pony shows and um but to know that i was uh one uh sitting on a in a sprinter van with danny meyer going and touring our restaurants was just remarkable uh to know that um 20 years earlier, I took night classes from him at the Learning Annex in Lower Manhattan. No way. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. He's always giving back. Look at that. <laughs> always. Always giving back. Beautiful. When I told him about that, he said, I can't imagine what I would have taught you. <laughs> and I couldn't believe the humility. So, um, yeah, so uh, he became uh, a partner and uh, investor and um having him on our board of directors was just a gift. It was a great time to have um, connection with him and to hear his stories and his wisdom. Um, and his company, uh, Union Square Hospitality, was always very gracious and, and uh, warm and, and helpful. If you can leave our listeners with, with one thing um, as they scale their businesses or, or dream of scaling their businesses, growing beyond one restaurant to multiple restaurants or opening up that first restaurant, what, what would you leave them with? Mm. Um, I think I would return the, the favor that Howard Schultz gave me and just say, go for it. You know, uh, think it through, be courageous, go for it. Realize that, uh, and for, for those of us who are going into business now in the wake of the pandemic, that this is still the last bastion of, of human contact. Our, our business, our industry is the place where people gather to be away from their apartments, away from their homes, away from the kids when they need a break, um, in a place where they eat other food other than their own, where uh, they get served, um, where they get to relax, where they get to look at beautiful people around them, where they get to hear the clink clank and the music of, of just hustle bustle, the beauty of it. That's never going to go away. And so if you, if you have a great product and a great service model and you can make it a viable business, go for it. And, and, and while you're doing that, ask for help along the way from helpful uncles who will, or, or aunties who have been there and who can tell you because we're all very, very happy to help in this community, especially. Um, listen to podcasts like this, read books like 10-Year Plan, ask a lot of questions. Don't be shy. Don't be proud. We're here. We're waiting for you. Love it. Where, where, how can people connect with you? So uh, if you're interested in, um, in working with me or just want to get in touch, uh, go to quietadvisory.com, quietadvisory.com. Um, and there's um, plenty of information about me, about the book, about my programs, how I coach, and also a way to get in touch or get on my calendar. I love it. So the book is uh, the 10-year plan, and it's uh, been a truly an honor. If you guys, if you want to reach out to me, you can always reach out at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. We are grateful that you listen to this podcast. We're grateful that you interact. Um, life is all about lessons and stories. And David, your story, the tender green story, the founder story, I, I, like I said, I, I applaud you for the courage to share the, the details, some of them difficult to write, I'm sure difficult to publish, but uh, they make an impact. And 
everything we do in the hospitality business, this is so much bigger than, than our restaurants. You know, there's villages all over the world that if they have internet access and they can hear these lessons and stories, they can go chase their dreams. So thank you for, for sharing that with us. And as we always say, stay curious, get involved. And as David reaffirmed, don't be afraid to ask for help. We will catch you guys next week. Thank you. On Restaurant Influencers, you will learn how to share your brand story online from the best smartphone storytellers in the restaurant and hospitality space. Powered by Entrepreneur Media and Yelp, our weekly show will explore the creator economy ecosystem so that you can find opportunities for your food business to grow. Thanks to Toast, our primary technology partner at Cali Barbecue Media, for not only sponsoring this show, but for helping restaurants become digital-first businesses. If you want to learn more about why we switched from Aloha to Toast after 12 years in business and how Toast can help your restaurant become a digital-first restaurant, please send us a DM today at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. Thank you.